Someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 to Best of the Best Podcast with myself, Connor Keyes. Beside me, but not really beside me, opposite me, as always. Close but far. Close but far away. <laughs> uh, yes, you're very welcome to our Best of the Best Podcast. Uh, we apologise for our wee break in the week, um, but hopefully you survived and the lockdown didn't get you too badly. But <laughs> in, in the rain. In the rain, but in order to ease the pain of the rain, we have the marvellous Blackadder. It's like an R&B lyric. <laughs> ease the pain of the rain. Uh, I just took on a wee cool, <laughs> cool FM moment there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Black Adder, uh, our uh, marvellous uh, TV genre we're into. Um, a rarity for us. Yes, uh, currently. And uh, not in the 90s. And Oh, yeah, I never even thought we're going to yeah. we're gonna put a, a, a tech on the 80s box. On the 80s, motherfucker. So, yes, um, we have Black Adder starring uh, the, the, uh, the mighty... Mr. Rowan Atkinson mm. as uh, the titular character. Titular? Like that. I like that. Um, so yes, so Blackadder, uh, Edmund Blackadder is played by Rowan Atkinson. Um, we sort of, we have a rule on here, don't we, that we sort of, like, if there's a weak season, we don't really do that. But this was one that you could, the only one that you maybe would uh, uh, take on because season one was... Not good, if you want to. By their own, by their own, yeah, their own admission. Yeah, they've um, they've publicly in every documentary I've seen about this show, they 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 shoot by season one real fast and mention how they wish they could have had the opportunity to redo it and how they should have had the writing team they had from season two on. Yeah, Uh, Rowan Atkinson himself has said he refused to write from season two on because season one was so bad. Yeah, well, that's and uh, uh, but I nearly and it's put not them, awful. It's not awful, but I nearly put them down as you know when a band does demos. Yes, I would put them down as like six demos. They were they were, they were like sort of just trying to find their feet, to trying to figure out what their well the strange, sound was the, as such. The really strange part about it was the the pilot they did uh, before season one had. The Black Adder character, very the, similar to the Black Adder character from season two on, which was, very, and it seemed to have a good, very strange. Um, although, if you look at the, uh, our recent documentary where they went back to see the the castle where season two was shot, mm-hmm. they talked. About, or sorry, where season, season one, one was. They, they talked about season one. They talked about that day of shooting. So Atkinson is there, and he remembers turning around to the director and going, "What voice should I use?" On the day of shooting? On the day of shooting. So that's why if you look at the scene where he's on the horse, the opening scene of Blackadder season one, episode one, his voice is very strange. It's it's like... Yeah. It's, it's not the Blackadder we know now. No. And it's very um, almost Mr. Beanish in the way. Yeah. Because like even Mr. Like Blackadder in season one is kind of like a... 
a prototype for him, Mr. Bean, isn't it? Yeah. His faces and a lot of pulling, squirming, and and even this sort of uh, the way he walks. Yeah, he does that it's weird very physical and all. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so season one, they kind of they, they wanted to find their feet, and I think that's when they did because this is Richard Curtis, um, uh, who basically is famous for. Well, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything on the best, the best here, maybe, but more famous in recent years for the likes of Notting Hill and Four Weddings and Funeral and um, Bridget Jones, Bridget Jones, oh, was it Richard Curtis, mm-hmm. uh, Love Actually, and the second one, Love Actually, and all that sort of yep. stuff. So Love a lot Actually. of rom coms and a lot of stuff. But TV wise, you know, you're talking Vicar Dibley. Um, but you're, he was also a writer in Spitting Image. Yeah, he's been about for a long time. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, the main man behind Comic Relief as well. Yes. Uh, so the two of them, uh, Atkinson. The background of Atkinson is is a perform comedy performer as such because mm-hmm. he wasn't doing stand up, but he would have been at the Edinburgh Fringe mm-hmm. doing um, his headmaster routine is known as yeah one of the best. It's um, one of the ones I remember as a, what like seeing as a kid before yeah. Black Adder, before Mister Bean, before. If you get a chance, go and check it out on on YouTube. You'll see Rowan Atkinson at the Fringe doing the headmaster routine. So that was him back then, and then that's. He had built up the reputation enough to mm-hmm. be able to be trusted with a, a TV show. Yeah. Because his performances were top class. Because he is a, an amazing actor. He's very good. He, he is very good. And if you ever watched Not the Nine O'Clock News, he did a lot of, even though it was sketch related, yeah. a lot of the outside shot uh, footage they did had him all the type of hijinks without any you know audio yeah so he wouldn't be speaking it'd just be his physical performance Very physical. again leading to, to mr bean but you hit the nail on the head there not the nine o'clock news was sort of the the lead into blackadder mm-hmm. it was where the relationship of curtis and, and atkinson and et al come together yeah because you've uh, not the nine o'clock news has a lot of big names you're talking uh smith and jones are involved mm-hmm. you're talking um pamela stevenson pamela stevenson Billy Connolly's wife um who else uh what do you call the guy <laughs> Uh, he's in, in everything. Br- Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Yeah. Um, uh. <laughs> That's imagine. Just was, randomly was out of the blue. Was Tim McGinnis? No, was he in it? I think you're right. Um. Oh no, not Tim McGinnis. Oh, I can't remember the guy's name. I know his face anyway. So not only did he use lead into it. Um, Chris Langham. Chris Langham. That's the one. Uh, so you've got all those sort of very well known um comedy actors of the 80s and then you go to get into black adder where they start to then really pull in the favors <laughs> yeah uh well i suppose they're not favors at that time because these people aren't massively famous at that time so you're talking the likes of the additional characters mm-hmm. um especially in season 2 you're talking stephen fry hugh Laurie, um Queenie, what do you call her? Uh, Miranda Richardson. Miranda Richardson. Uh, Tim McInerney. Tim McInerney. Um, you have... And special guests, of course. Special guests that pop up. We'll talk about that, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but I think one of the biggest additions, and we, we do apologize, but, but like we say, we'll, we'll skip over season one because it's not no, it's a strong a, it, point. It's just it's it's a learning the, curve. It, of it. it is. It's a, good, it's a good show, but it's just where it goes from season two on. It's unfathomable that season one happened at all. Yeah, season one, season one was literally a different show. Yeah. So we count from season two, and I think then we have to mention the reason why season two kind of shifted in tone, and especially in regards to jokes, mm-hmm. was the introduction of a stand-up comedian. Yep. So uh, Ben Elton, um, he who is now known as 
such a sellout in the comedy scene. What, what happened there? Because of the... I think it's just... I, I don't the know. books and I, the I really shows? don't know. I think it's... Yeah, I think what happens in comedy... I think the same applies in music. When a certain actor, artist, or band, whatever, gets so big uh-huh. and gets so popular, well, then they're not really part of the in crowd anymore, if you know what I mean. Well, you're not invited to all the... Well, you're just sort of... Charity specials? You, no, I think you're at all the charity specials. That's the problem. You're, you're sort of... You're, you're not... You're not seen as one of the grafting musicians. You know, you've moved okay. on. But if you're at that level and you've moved on, you don't give a fuck about the ones yeah. below you who are complaining. No. But, but I think you can see it maybe in modern times with uh, the likes of Peter Kay. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of comedians would say Peter Kay's no good and all that sort of stuff. And I think, hmm, is that maybe jealousy because the guy's holding the Guinness record of so many people coming to watch him? Well, you know, there's whereas at a point he was like on the circuit, he was yeah the fucking go to guy. He was amazing, but then when he came too big, it's like. Uh. So I think that's maybe what happened with Ben Elton in recent years because of the musicals We Will Rock You and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And, and he, he, didn't he write the Phantom the sequel to the Phantom of the Opera with Andrew Lloyd Webber? Yes, I remember there was Hanlon about it because he was Lloyd Webber's a very strict conservative mm. ally, and he's very much a lefty. Mm-hmm. And apparently the two of them writing together. And he said this great quote, he can't remember, but it was something along the lines of, if I can't talk to other people who believe in something that I don't believe, what's the point? In? <laughs> yeah. So I think, I don't think he gives a fuck. No. Like he said. No. And But he was writing on... At that time, he had done some serious, uh, all, almost satire in a sense, but a very edgy, very political stuff. As you say, very left-leaning. Mm-hmm. And, um, but cotton. Okay. And really, really... As you can see, obviously he's a writer, but really, really good with words, and especially when you think of some of the insults and stuff that Blackadder yeah. comes out with throughout season two, three, and four, uh-huh. are just uh, so many people um, could quote those. I mean, yeah. there are diehard Blackadder fans who yeah, fucking quotes I, tattooed I, on themselves. I've seen like a, 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 just a clip of like a book signing or something, mm-hmm. and there was like two thousand people there. But everyone was buying a book, and if you're getting a signed book, you're paying more than the price of the book on Amazon or in the yeah, shop. Like absolutely, yeah. But there, it was only there to see like Tony Robinson. Like it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like Ron well, Atkinson or anyone was there. It was just well, Baldick's a massive character. Well, we'll that's the thing. That, so, well, let's well, you introduced him there. So the guy, the basically the Manuel, yes, <laughs> of Blackadder, yes. You know, everybody needs a, a, a at that stage when writing was being done. You always needed that sort of foolish character that. Um, provided the uh, a lot of, especially for the likes of a, a Basil Fawlty or a Edmund Blackadder, it gives something to bounce off, literally yeah. verbally attack somebody and to sort of condescend at all times. And so that was Baldrick. So we have a clip here of Baldrick, um, and I think this is in season two, and uh, Blackadder. Baldrick, believe me, eternity and the company of Beelzebub and all his hellish instruments of death will be a picnic compared to five minutes with me and this pencil. <laughs> he, in the season one, Baldrick's the smart one. Yes, I know, it's so strange. And Black Adder's the sort of twit. Ah, uh, he's a fool, yeah. And it made no sense if he no. was the main character he's being the main character, the twit. Yeah. So when they flipped that, that was the biggest... That was a massive Holy change, fuck. yeah. Because but, what happened was Baldrick became, even for me as a child, watched Baldrick became a favourite character then. Yeah. And by the time it comes to season four, <laughs> he's, he, he's the central he focus. Is, yeah, even yeah. though he is a secondary character, he's yeah. the one that makes more sense than anyone. By the time you get to season four, you could really be called Blackadder and Baldrick. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. That, it's that important. But uh, So yeah, the mighty Tony Robinson, um, who has now got on to digging. 
He just takes um, flatter. <laughs> but again, another great uh, comedic actor. Uh-huh. He's as Baldrick, he's just absolutely fantastic because it, it, it's it's that whole um, absurdity of mm-hmm. Baldrick, Baldrick and and uh, his cunning plans. Yes, <laughs> which became sort of like the. Uh, I know nothing kind of phrase yeah. of, of Manuel but catchphrases before comedy catchphrases were caught on to do you mm-hmm. know do you remember like when Little Britain and Catherine Tate show and all that sort of stuff they all had all they were were catchphrases, all were catchphrases. but they were like oh this is a new type of thing like, no it's not new no. we've had them for a long time it's just you just fired out like so many of them yeah you just sort of diluted the water with them and with yeah. no need but it's a good job you mentioned Faulty Terrors because it just reminded me I was reading the thing about Richard Curtis and he was saying the whole basis of this is Faulty Towers, yeah. and to do everything that Faulty Towers didn't, it couldn't be a sitcom about the modern time. That's the only reason mm-hmm. that they went medieval. Yeah, that's, that's we, again we should point out. Um, each of the seasons take a different time period. Yeah, and uh, humanity as such. Uh, season one is the medieval times. You say season two goes into the Tudor. So the Elizabethan age, the um, and the Queen Queenie played by Miranda Richardson in season two. Is scarily fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, she's brilliant. She's she, not Queenie though. Don't say Queenie. Oh, sorry, sorry. Queenie's her nanny. It's Queenie's her nanny. Sorry, but um, she she's Elizabeth the first. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> and then the third, we're in the Regency era with the son of the Mad King George, uh-huh. who's a Prince Regent, which yes. means he's a prince who's technically the king because his dad's mad. <laughs> so, and then we go into the fourth season. We go into the Great War, the First World War, World War One. Yeah. Um, so each of those periods, then uh, Blackadder. I mean, Blackadder never seems to have to explain anything. No, each season. Once it, cha- it changes, it doesn't matter because Blackadder is just Blackadder. Yeah, it's almost uh, like a quantum leap type thing. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, it's just there's a brief mention a few times that he could be the ancestor of the Blackadder from the gener- from yeah. the period before. But that's right. I remember it's that barely touched barely on. Right it's touched, not. Yeah. So each season goes on. As I say, um, in season two, then you have uh, all the sort of background people, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. So the the who's who in uh, a comedy scene at the time. Like I say, so Stephen Fry. Yep. Um, he's Melchett. Melchett. You have Hugh Laurie is in season two, not as maybe a bigger part as he would have No, he's briefly, he's briefly. He's briefly in it. Um, Tim McInerney. Tim McInerney. Lord Percy Percy. Lord Percy Percy. Uh, Miranda Richardson, as we talked about, uh, you have obviously Tony Robinson and Rowan Atkinson. There's, I can't remember the name of uh, Nursey. 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 Uh, it's there somewhere. Uh, Patsy Byrne. That was Patsy it. Byrne. Patsy Byrne. And she's um, great too. Fantastic. Bernard. As well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there are uh, other. As season three and four goes along, you've got um, the introduction of quite a few other ones, Robbie Coltrane, um, Chris Barry, uh, you, you know, people of, of the time who were massive players in the comedy and slash acting world, mm-hmm. to come on to Blackadder at that time was probably the greatest invitation yeah. Yeah. that you could have, yeah, especially after season two happened. Yeah. So three and four, everybody was clamoring to get into it. Yeah, nobody would have been in a big rush after one. Not after one, no, definitely not. And um, we'll have to say what the re- what what happened between one and two here. Yeah. Because they they were looking to make a film that looked like an Errol Flynn Robin Hood medieval type film. Mm-hmm. So for a filmic equivalent for a TV show, but they ended up doing a lot of on location shoots, so a lot of outside shooting. Now, what happens when you do that and it's not in the studio and it's not controlled? Is the budgets blow up? Yeah, 
So it ended up costing like a million pound. Yeah, and the like sound effects and stuff because you're outdoor. It just wasn't. And, yeah, and there was bizarre cheap effects. Mm. <laughs> um, remember Peter Cook? That's right. Peter Cook's in there. That's He's only in one episode. Right. He he made a fucking smart move of just being in one episode. <laughs> he gets his head cut off. That's and then his head's floating about in this weird early 80s special effect, and it just doesn't work. No. And then big Brian Blessed's in her. Brian Blessed's in the He plays the king, remember? Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, Jim Broadbent, I have to That's mention right. this, but <laughs> Jim Broadbent plays the translator of a Spanish queen. Or is she a princess? No, she's a princess, because they're cousins, aren't they? They're cousins, yes, right. And <laughs> he plays the Spanish translator, and I was reading, or I was watching, sorry, this clip um, with Richard Curtis saying he, he still doesn't know how he got all the words out the way he did because <laughs> even if you try to mimic it you can't <laughs> and and Jim Broadbent says he, he tried to do a, he didn't know what a Spanish accent sounded like <laughs> but he knew what an Italian accent sounded like <laughs> so he was trying to mix an Italian accent with his own and that's what came out that weird but um, that so season one basically the controller uh, the controller of the television material that was going out for the BBC yeah. changed to Michael Grave right yeah when that season came out so he was like well that didn't get any big numbers viewership and it cost a million pound so we're not going to do that again so we're basically told it's not happening so then when they brought on Ben Elton he put forward the idea that they keep it only in studio because yep. they don't need any more sets no and what you do then with that and, and the likes of a Ben Elton is it, it it allows you to accentuate the writing yes absolutely you're not losing sound effects or losing you know lines or punchlines lost it's, it's so and because uh especially the put-downs and the, the sort of quotable lines, you know, they would have been lost in the middle yeah. of a fucking medieval set in the castle. I, I think it was North, Northumberland, they said, is where the castle was, where they first... Uh, uh, Alnick, I think is the place, uh, where they shot season one. So I, I just think it wouldn't have worked. So the impact then meant that... And the studio audience thing... Yeah. Um, definitely plays a part. I, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll argue with that to anybody. I always think personally that a show needs a laughter track. Certain shows need a laughter track. Like I've said, like Only Fools and Horses was a good example. Season one and two was no laughter track. Mm-hmm. And it just changed the entire tone of it when it did come in, our live studio audience at that stage. Well, many times have you watched the film and you've seen a blooper reel and you laughed at the blooper reel because people were laughing. People were laughing, wasn't it? yeah. Like, and that's the whole point of a blooper yeah. reel. Like, and we like, know in comedy as well. I mean, it's 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 a natural reaction when there's other people there. Yeah. So the more people there with you, the more laughter that actually occurs. Um, and I've said before, I mean, when you're sitting by yourself, it's very rare you'll laugh out loud to yourself. Something has to be really, really good. But if one other person's in the room, you'll laugh at nearly everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that's, just, to that's, show, just to show the other person, I got this. <laughs> I understand. Oh, yeah, like a... <laughs> I got that scientific reference. Ah, <laughs> I know that. Uh, but by yourself, you'd be going, hmm, smart. I'm going to look that up on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I pause after looking up my phone. Uh, so, I mean, when you move on to, to the likes of maybe, we can't not talk about Flashheart. Well, I, I was hoping we were going to just do an entire episode. <laughs> because he's only in one scene. He's in about four minutes of the show, like. Yeah, and... Uh, and people still talk about Rick Mail <laughs> turning up as Lord Flashheart, who is going to be Edmund Blackadder's best man at his wedding. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like a plot point earlier on in the show where Percy's heartbroken because he doesn't get to be the best man. Yeah. So they're, they're about to get married. Everybody's there. And uh, 
Flash Hard isn't about. Well, we should explain. <laughs> when we say everybody's there, uh, Blackadder's about to get married. Baldrick is his bridesmaid. Yes, that's right. <laughs> With a beard. beard. Full beard. Uh, Nursey is there. But Flash Hard, uh, we should explain uh, the, the premise of Flash Hard. Because Flash Hard was just um, raw sex, if you want to call it that. Just yes. pure. <laughs> <laughs> he <laughs> believes he is God's gift to women. And somehow uh, manages to even woo the queen and get away with saying things that nobody else gets away with saying yeah um but yes rick mail so rick mail in his absolute glory of chewing up the scenery well will we listen to the audio and then speak about <laughs> what wh- why he's so over the top yeah okay here he is uh he's, he's already made a one minute 20 entrance this is like a full three minutes so we'll, yeah. rather sh- so we'll show you when he gets to nursery at this point <laughs> nursery I like it, firm and fruity. (laughs) Am I pleased to see you, or did I just put a canoe in my pocket? (laughs) Down, boy, down! (laughs) 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 Then he puts Percy. (laughs) So it's proper, like, uh, it's just bottom. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's it's the character from bottom just being put into a fucking medieval show because he's headbutting Percy and he's fucking. But clearly he's full he, of energy. They all know him. Yeah. Like these are all stand-up or comedians or performer comedians or writing comedians, and they all know each other because mm-hmm. it's a it's a pretty unique circle in England at this point. Yeah, they're quite yeah. Quite so close. they all know him. <laughs> ben Elton knows him really well because he's been writing the young ones for him mm-hmm. for a few years. So and he's a big enough actor at this point because oh, he's the, young, well known, yeah. the young ones is very big. So he turns up. And tells Ben Elton and Richard Curtis, I'll only be in this show if you write better jokes than Rowan Atkinson gets for the whole season. <laughs> and they do. Mm-hmm. Because he turns up like a fucking thunderbolt. <laughs> like he literally drops from the sky. <laughs> and there's flashes going off. And he announces himself with hoorays and all this. And apparently in the rehearsal, he turned up and played it down. He played it like a, a ruggish, charming sort of, uh-huh. hello everyone, I'm Flashheart. And, yeah. and then <laughs> on the night, <laughs> which is live recording, he fucking, and if you look at everybody's face, they're, yeah. they're just blown away. Like, yeah. They're just and, or, nailed or to the wall. Not or trying not to laugh. It's uh, the moustache hanging off. The, moustache. the energy is so big, he gets so into it that the fake moustache he has to wear is half hanging off. Nearly and, the entire time. To the point where it's so brilliant, you're, you're going, I know it's a mistake. I know just from the heat of lights and sweat and yeah, all this, yeah. it's fallen off. But at the same time, too, it could also be such a flash art thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's so brilliant. Um, so, yeah, Rick Mayle coming in. I never in. thought of it in that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Rick Mayle coming in is just absolutely... The big blonde fucking wig. Everything about it is just pure... Is it bravado, pure, like, yeah. over-the-top And nonsense. done absolutely brilliantly. So, I mean, you've got that, uh, that level of commitment, too, from getting the likes of a Rick Mayle, who at that time was... As you say, one of the biggest between the young ones and bottom, it was like he was up there, you know. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Actors, well, this is early enough. This was is bottom even on six. No, uh, no, no, bottom, bottom one. Bottom no, no. Um, but, uh, but the uh, young we'll, ones. We we'll mentioned that as well. Yeah. It took three years to make season two or to get to season two. To sorry, season two, yeah. because they were so hesitant after season one. But then from eighty six to eighty nine, they made three seasons and three two specials. Yes, that's right. There's a there was Christmas a later. And, uh, yeah, yeah. There was like a Cavalier Years episode that was done for Comic Relief, and it was only right. fifteen minutes long. And then there's the Christmas Carol, the yes, the Dickens it. one. Um, so we have, uh, yeah. So we're set in season two, set in uh, Elizabethan time, Queen Elizabeth the First. It's actually here, fifteen fifty eight to sixteen oh three. Miranda Richardson, as we say, 
um you're into this she's brilliant it's just unbelievable she's so it's it's and again i remember i think maybe seeing a documentary where she, where they interviewed her and all the rest and she didn't know how to approach it voice wise okay but when she appeared to curtis and all the rest with this almost what you would call teenage type of childish yeah uh i want a horsey i want a horsey sort yeah, of thing yeah. yeah and but it was with the most what did they say the most sinister um evil behind it all yeah so it's like just really innocent but it's like i will behead you yeah but she yeah, <laughs> yeah. she she plays it like yeah. get me a lolly or you're fucked yeah you know and she does it even the first episode she's had it like this sort of but she she well elizabeth we know elizabeth first because of judy dench winning an oscar for playing yeah. elizabeth first in mm-hmm. shakespeare in love kate blanchett played her twice that's right yeah and then most recently margot robbie played margot her robbie in mary queen yeah. of scots so a lot of people want to take on the elizabeth first mm-hmm. role and I know there's been complaints about Judy Dance getting an Oscar for being in a film for fuck five minutes, but yeah, I think when I think of Elizabeth first, I always think always of Miranda. Think, that's it. There's nobody else can touch. Always, like. always. Uh, so like once we get, you sort of we get out of season two. I mean, you've got into um, as we say, Blackadder is starting to form mm-hmm. into the Blackadder we all especially got to to know throughout three and four. Which was sarcastic, yep. dry, um, fuck I'm smarter than everybody else, but they don't know it type yeah. of attitude, this real egotistical thing. And an anti-hero, I suppose. You know, yeah, conniving and he'd yeah, scheme a lot. He's always at something. He's yeah. always trying to get out of doing things mm. or get out of doing a task. or doing, you know, When it came to World War One, get out of fucking fighting. Yes, at all. Anything at all. So, uh, and that's sort of, I think that's what won him over as opposed to to everyone then in the sense it wasn't because in the first, as we say in season one he was a bumbling fool mm. by the time he got to the, the real sharp razor wit that was coming out of Ben Elton onto the page and then ultimately out of Blackadder he just he could do no wrong no it was, <laughs> he was it, just it was only six episodes it's six episodes every season but th- those six episodes are rewatchable as any yeah. six episode it's really it's brilliant bit of writing too but again the put downs <laughs> and the the similes the you're as this is a this is a this <laughs> yeah. you never get bored of them even no. though there's so many of them so many of them and uh i do know some people who can quote like fucking reams of it and i'm like i don't know how you have the skill to do that i'd love to be able to do it i just know they are brilliant but i just don't memorize them um but under black out of the third then so it's set in the sort of late 18th 19th century known as the regency within the series apparently yes like i said a regency <coughs> yeah is because the king is there but he's mental. Yes. So the Prince Regent, the Prince of Wales, which uh, today is uh, Charlie. Yes. Yeah. So it's nice to see they've all got more seen as the years have gone. So this is uh, this is King George. This is the Mad King. Yes. Mad King George. This is his son, also called George. Yes. Because that's what they did back then. <laughs> Besides marrying their first cousins and all that. Yeah. Um. So basically, in this one, uh, Blackadder is the butler to the yes, prince. Yes, he is. And again... Because it's it's always a joy in, in, in these later seasons then to watch Blackadder becomes he because he becomes us. Yeah. He becomes the people. Yeah. Definitely. So he takes the viewpoint of us watching these absolute rich monstrosities <laughs> and uh Fop the, about this is and the stupidity and uh, fucking idiocy of money. Yeah. And that it's just a bloodline, you know. Mm-hmm. So um he uh, Having him play a butler at that point is absolutely brilliant because uh, he's always 
looking for money. He's always trying to scheme uh, a way of trying to not. Well, I suppose he is duping the the prince regent, but a lot of times it's more just let's see how we can get uh, some money off your dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So there's the prince regent. Um. Is played by Hugh Laurie. Now this is where, if I had a Miranda Richardson, would probably be my favorite character. Yeah. But I think my my favorite performance is Hugh Laurie oh, in the third season. It's just and so and, a, and, a, and a TV show filled with great performances, but it's because it, but basically the history of it is Tim McInerney wasn't coming back uh-huh. to play a, a larger role because he feel he felt like he was getting sort of typecast. Yeah, because he was in the first and second. So Hugh Laurie, they they assumed that Tim McInerney was going to play the the Prince Regent. Uh-huh. Um, so Hugh Laurie takes it on and just runs with it like <laughs> oh, he does. He, like he's if Baldrick is a complete stumbleton. <laughs> <laughs> then Prince George is the dumbest person and he's I think dim as fuck I don't know if it's ever been said that they did that on purpose but I think it, it also it was a great thing to show that even a Baldrick or a Prince yeah can be as dumb as fuck you know like they were the two boys yeah from both <laughs> both spectrums so one, yeah. both ends of the scale one with absolutely nothing one with everything and Aye. they're both fucking dumb both dumb as bricks like <laughs> Uh, and then you've uh, Black Adder in the middle. So in this season, you've got um, the likes of Robbie Coltrane pops up. Yes, and like probably my favorite episode. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, actually, we could maybe one look great. <laughs> the joy for me. We talked about uh, Atkinson. There is this thing, um, and it turns out it is a, a speech impediment of some sort, isn't it? It's some sort yes. of uh, stammer or stutter. It's a weird and one because I can't I can't really explain it. I can't explain it either, but it's to do with the bees. It's to do with bees. So uh, it's why it became quite popular with his bub and his. Yeah, because uh, I thought for years that he was just pronouncing it funny because it was a funny word. I, I same as I thought it was phonetically. It was just like yeah. oh, the way he's done done that is brilliant, but it's not. It's, it's not. It's because it's the only way that he can say a b after a b. Yeah, he has to basically eliminate the <laughs> the vowel in the middle. <laughs> so he just basically says two b's. Bub. So, uh, I had no idea. I had no idea. But this is from uh, the third season where... Uh, Blackadder the third. Blackadder the third, sorry, I should say. So, Dr. Johnson, Robbie Coltrane, mm-hmm. is... Uh, what The context is he was putting together the dictionary. He wrote the dictionary. He wrote the dictionary for... <laughs> and it took him 25 years. <laughs> and he finally comes to present the dictionary to the Prince Regent. Yes. And, of course, Blackadder's there as the, uh, as the butler. Sir, the very cornerstone of English scholarship. This book, sir, contains every word in our beloved language. Ooh. Every single one, sir. Every single word, sir. Oh, well, in that case, sir, I hope you will not object if I also offer the doctor my most enthusiastic contrafibularities. <laughs> contrafibularities, sir? It is a common word down our way. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sir. I'm anaspeptic, phrasmotic, <laughs> even compunctuous to have caused you such pericombobulation. <laughs> what are you all about, Blackadder? This is all beginning to sound a bit like Dago talk to me. I'm sorry, sir. I merely wished to congratulate the doctor on not having left out a single word. <laughs> Shall I fetch the tea, Your Highness? Yes, yes. And, and get that damn fire up here, will you? Certainly, sir. I shall return interfrastically. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that he says it's so convincing, the yeah. amount of times I went, 
Uh, is that a word? Interfrastically, maybe. Contrafibularities is contrafibularities. Uh, so yeah, I mean the 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 sort of genius of the writing along with the performance and just makes it uh, one of the greatest sort of, in my opinion, one of the greatest British um, performances in TV. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, the, the the funny thing about the writing also when Ben Allen joined us, him and Curtis wrote, there were six episodes, like I said, and they wrote three each. Mm-hmm. And what they would do is hand three over to the other. So they would just swap and, and the they would edit. Yeah. But they weren't allowed to criticize the other person's edit. Right. <laughs> So they had a hand in their best draft because it wasn't going to be touched again. Mm-hmm. And then the other person would edit it. And they would. The, the cast has said that they can't tell to this day who wrote what episode. Right. Because there was so much of each other in both. In both, yeah. And they sort of intertwined. Not yet. Because, I mean, Elton was there for. And I would say, in my opinion, he's, he's he learned a lot from Curtis in regards to writing. Yeah, I, I, would, I would give that a good Elton estimation. Elton was. As I said, his stand-up was unreal. Uh, mm-hmm. Long diatribes, real proper, proper cutting of the Conservative Party, the Tories, and stuff. You know, but they were they were well written in the mm-hmm. sense that they were good for stand-up. Yeah. But to structure a show and put a show together, now he had done the young ones and the rest, but the young ones was very chaotic. Yeah, and it, the structure was minimal. Some, uh, loose was yeah. the word. It was yeah, no, that's that's very. Um, and. This is where I think he 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 garnered his chops in that sense. He he mm-hmm. got he learned a lot from Curtis because Curtis has been writing for a while and and uh, unfortunately <laughs> he's done some shade. Yeah, it's not in my shade. opinion, but it's still very well structured, well written, and all the rest. But he says Curtis says the two the two of them met in a writer's room for spitting image, right? And the two of them were just talking, and he goes, "Oh, I really like that Black Adder thing." Curtis went, "You liked Black Adder?" <laughs> he says, "You're the only person I've ever met that liked." It. And he goes, "No, no, I thought there was something there." And then that was that it. Was it done? Uh, well, I mean, if you're talking about spitting image, I mean, that, that that's uh, another 80s classic that had a lot of serious comedy yep. um, writing behind it. Did you know, totally off the point, huh? you know the music video director, Chris Cunningham, he did all the AFX twin videos? and Oh, aye. He, he was a puppet maker in spitting image. Get out. Aye. Like, <laughs> complete weirdo, like... But For any of our younger listeners, <laughs> yeah, spitting image was uh, spitting image is really hard to, to describe. Yeah, it was like um, politicians and celebrities in puppet form, puppet form being uh, with some of the the UK's best voice actors and writers writing and performing. Yeah, some of the best satire has ever been done. Uh, and when it was good, politics. it was good. Oh, when fuck. it was bad, it was awful. Yeah, remember yeah. the stuff about Arnold Schwarzenegger's We oh, Will, you know? Oh yeah, no. Um, but yeah, <laughs> some of it made no fucking sense. Why I have to think about is We Willie. But anyway, <laughs> uh, in Black Adder the Third, then you also have the likes of Stephen Fry again pops up, um, the Duke of Wellington. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, Miranda Richardson pops up as well. Yeah, yeah. So like she's, there's, a, uh, there's a lot of recurring cast. Yeah, and there's the, the a lot cast of always always taking yeah, on sort of loops. Some sort, yeah, even so. though even though I said Tim McInerney wasn't in, he is in a he's part of the thing. The Spanish Inquisition, or the, the French Revolution. Or the French Revolution. Yeah. Sorry, they turn up in the middle of this. He's, and he's just a part Pumpernel. of it. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the middle of it. So he didn't want to play a recurring role, but he, he is. He in would, it. Uh, yeah, could be part of it. Um, but the the, the cross dressing highwayman that was Miranda Richardson. <laughs> yeah, he had squirrels. <laughs> he had squirrels. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so I mean, you've got uh, taking you into that. I mean, the Butler routine and and the stuff. It really did. It let them. It let Black Adder fly anyway. Um, it let him really fucking uh, really shine with the f- proper. The flow was really coming in. Mm-hmm. Season three is when right 
as you say, Curtis and, and, and Elton were almost intertwined. They they knew exactly how to write for each other. Yeah. And uh and then when you bring in the likes of a Robbie Coltrane and Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie and all that sort of stuff, it just I, makes everything. Yeah, the performance goes up. Oh, okay. Um again, Baldrick takes center stage a lot in this, but uh, like I've mentioned, season two is my favorite season. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think season three is written and performed better. Yes. I, I, well, my, my favorite is number four. I don't know. I, I always think I that four, why. it's just too sad. That's why it's sad. <laughs> no, no, it's I not know. constantly sad. No, There's I just know. bits in it where you go, oh, oh it's no. such a sad line. I think it's maybe because, is it because maybe I c- we can relate more to it? You know, because we're not big into, you know, we don't know an awful lot about the Tudor period or the job, but you did. I'll know have you know, I know quite a bit about the <laughs> Tudor period. I'm really into it. I, I know nothing except for uh, Tudor Spring and Onion, uh, Spring <laughs> Onion Crisps, uh, Cheese and Onion, and something. It's what they're named after. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the, the Tudors are like, I didn't really have much of an understanding of that. And there's probably we in jokes to that period that I'm not really getting. But yeah. when it came to World War One, because we're, it's relatively recent history. Um, you definitely got a lot more of the. Of here's the here's two minutes on Elizabeth the first. Elizabeth the first is the daughter of Henry VIII, right? The loony bin Henry VIII, uh-huh. who kept cutting off all his wife's heads because they wouldn't give him a son. Yep, which is no choice of theirs. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, her own fault. Her ma was Anne Boleyn. Yes, he convinced the world that she was a prostitute, so he cut her head off when Elizabeth the first was two. Right, Elizabeth the first half brother because he just kept marrying and cutting off heads and having wings over her. He finally had a son. Uh-huh. Who he made king when he was ten, uh-huh. who lived to be sixteen, died of tuberculosis. Okay. Then her other half sister, who was a Catholic, was put on the throne. She was Mary the First. Mary the First thought that Elizabeth the First was conspiring against her because she was Protestant and they didn't want the oh, the, yeah. the, the papal monastery on the on the throne. That's weird. Isn't it? So Elizabeth the First gets put in the tower under for a number of years. She's not even twenty yet. <laughs> then she becomes queen, which is twenty five, and reigns for forty four years. No, in that time she cuts off about a thousand people's heads. <laughs> You're trying to tell me <laughs> that Game of Thrones is fantasy and fictional? You're out bald. Yeah. <laughs> she never married and yeah. she never had children for the reason that it was used as political strategy. Mm. She could use that against, she could say, well, I'm single. Mm-hmm. Why don't you send your uh, Spanish prince over here and we'll see what's going on. <laughs> and she would just use it for political gain. Mighty. Isn't that good? Mighty. Game of Thrones. Girl, I tell you. Uh, no dragons no but dragons you add one fucking dragon in there and it just writes itself <laughs> <laughs> it's done a goblin or two or something the mad king yeah. and then you get the fucking hot boy Jesus um, but yeah well I mean that's that's uh, that's impressive your your knowledge of. I know quite uh, a bit about it I, I just yeah. I, it's mental how, how unbelievably fascinating it is and the, they're all related and they're all <laughs> cousins and like well, S- sir, between so Spain and Prussia and all this madness. So basically, you're just fucking agreeing with everything I've been telling you. This last fucking yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're all one fucking. You way. went one way, I went the other, but we're on the same path. <laughs> we're looking at the exact same picture. Same, but I'm going that way, and you're going that way. Uh, well, then that leads us nicely on to Black Adder goes forth. Well, just before that is the Christmas Carol. It's well, the all, Christmas the, all the special episodes they yeah. did. Now the Christmas Carol, that's a Victorian era. That's, and that's yeah. Queen Victoria, and that, that's the longest reign that's ever been. She was 60-something years on the throne. But she was married to member Prince Albert. Yeah, your man with the big dog. He had the actual Prince Albert. Yeah. he. That's why it's that's near. Why I didn't it? know it was, that was... Do you know why he put it there? I didn't know why he put I it thought there. it was for sex. Uh, is it not? It's not. 
it's chained to something. When you were getting in the Victorian period, the the trousers they wore were very tight. Uh huh. And they would have the flouncy bits at the end. Uh huh. And the tailor would say, "What way do you dress, sir?" And you would say, "Left or right." That meant that's where you hung. There was a hook on the inside of your trousers. That's where you hung your knob. Left or right of the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Swear, what way do you dress? Left or right? So that's uh-huh. why if you're ever in a tailor and he goes, "What way do you dress?" He means, "What way do you put your tailbagger?" Oh uh, well, then I just, I just, I just stay center, sir. Just <laughs> strip down the bulge. It's not long enough to go anywhere. <laughs> Not yet, unless you, t- unless you start measuring me and say leg. <laughs> <laughs> then you can ask me where to put it. No need to hang a hula hoop, lad. <laughs> She's a grower, not a shore. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, so that's what them boys were at. But I didn't know he actually that. had that's, the piercing. Well, I never knew there was actual uh, practical reason for a Prince Albert. Yeah. You hung it and up. And if you really don't know what a Prince Albert is, go and check it out. Don't look at the pictures. No. Um, and, yeah, I mean... So the Christmas Carol one is, is around that period of that type of lunacy. And that's when the British Empire was at its, its greatest. Mm, so that's yeah. why they didn't do another uh, in that period season. Right, because they sort they of covered just, it then. Because they sort of covered okay. it with two and three, so they just shot straight ahead to 1917. So we go to 1917 and the Western Front in the trenches of the First World War. So um, here we have Captain Blackadder. Yes. So Edmund Blackadder is now a captain in the army. And this is mainly, that's why season four is based in the trenches and based in uh, what looks to be a... Uh, the Western Front? Well, well, the set I'm saying looks to be just a, a, a four-bunk um, yeah. hole dug yeah. in the ground. <laughs> yeah. um, a couple of bunks, and that's where Blackadder, um, Baldrick, and... Uh, George? George. Who's you, Laurie? Who's you, Laurie? Again, Who again is is a descendant of Prince George, <laughs> and Baldrick's a descendant of Bal and Black Irish. Yeah. It's fuck. Uh, so you've got uh, Private Baldrick, of course, um, Lieutenant George, mm-hmm. and then General Melchett. <laughs> yes, so Fry returns again. Who's um, only a pop? He's only in his early twenties. Yeah, and yeah. he's playing an an elderly statesman general. <laughs> <laughs> with his moustache and he's pretending he has piles every time he sits down because he keeps <laughs> making these Whoa! noises <laughs> but the best of the lot for me is Tim McInerney yeah Captain Kevin Darling yeah <laughs> <laughs> he was meant to be called something else oh uh, every single and it's just the tone of Atkinson as Blackadder mm-hmm. and the sarcastic look that he does every time yes darling yeah <laughs> <laughs> And the way that Tim Maganelli looks like he's dying every time somebody says his actual surname. Yeah. <laughs> and it never, I swear, it could be nine more episodes and uh, I, I wouldn't. Doesn't stop. No, I, laugh. I, every time it, looks it wouldn't dry up that, that laugh. Like, Can I help you, darling? <laughs> <laughs> yes, darling. Remember where um, Stephen Fry's getting ready to go on a date and he's standing there and he's going, I'll tell her, <laughs> darling. And then <laughs> Maganelli goes, Yes, sir. Like, Not you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the comedic value they got out of that name ah, it's it was just, as you say, it could have been easy to call something else and never really thought about it. But um, So it sort of, it gets into the sort of the warfare of the trenches, mm-hmm. which is the other thing I liked about it, because nothing really ever looked into that. You know you know yourself when you watch anything about history and all the rest, mm-hmm. it's all, you know, this, the, but you don't get into the human side of it. No. You don't get into what was it like passing every single day in a fucking mud hole. Well, <laughs> Ben Elton, Ben Elton's great, or Ben Elton's grandfathers were fighting on both sides mm-hmm. during the, the Great War. So his grandfather obviously fought on the side of Germany mm-hmm. and he has an iron cross. 
<laughs> fighting with Germany in the First World War, not the Second World War. No. Uh, and then his other grandfather fought for the Allies. Yeah. And fought on the side of England. So both grandfathers, but then when it came obviously to the Second World War, his grandfather was put into a concentration camp and they ended up having to exile right, and they, yeah. they came to England. But his, he has a great love of history, Ben Elton. Yeah. And he was saying that his uncle uh, at the time thought after watching one episode it was very disrespectful. Right. And you you can understand that because not many people would dare to take on yeah, I mean, something it, so tragic because quite a number of people died. and That's the thing. You see, so many people, and because it was relatively recent history, I mean, 1980, so you're talking, what, 70 years after yeah. that one. Like, so, but it's still raw enough where Remembrance Day and things, you know, it's still, yeah. it's still raw enough today. Well, you say World War and everybody yeah. automatically thinks of the Second World War and that was only 40 years before this. So, And, and there's only just the actual, yeah, I mean... The, the the millions of people you know so yeah. so you have to realize that this isn't in any way trying to belittle the no. war or nothing well that, like. that's the, and that's the point at the end by the time we get to the end his uncle was like no forget about what i said it's actually really really well done yeah and everybody started to appreciate it more because you started to see and ben alton said this that how stupid it was that so many people blindly went to a war yeah absolutely for no reason other than a lot of uh, I lo- <laughs> more influential nobodies. I always love one of the lines where uh, Melchett, General Melchett, has come down to speak to the to the plebs mm-hmm. and to let them know we are all behind you. Yeah. And Black Hatter goes, yeah, but thirty five miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he's set up in a castle the way yeah. by another side of the-, the the top brass, as always in every war, aren't actually behind anybody. They're no. sitting fucking planning. So we jibes the guy and we sort of digs at all times. We're always very welcome. But again, you're back to sometimes with um uh with Black Adder sometimes just the way things are said in the, the dialogue. Mm-hmm can be um, just brought to a different level just by the ones delivering it. Yes. So we'll, we'll bring in General Melchett here, Stephen Fry and uh, Blackadder, uh, talking about <laughs> a bit of poo-poo. A bit of poo-poo. <laughs> so, any news of the spy, Blackadder? Yes, sir. Excellent. The Germans seem to know every move we make. I had a letter from Jerry yesterday. It said... Isn't it about time you changed your shirts, walrus face? <laughs> so, do you have any ideas who it might be, young lady? Well, sir, I'm only a humbled nurse, but I did at one point think it might be Captain Darling. Well, bugger me with a fish fork. <laughs> oh, Darling, a Jerry Morse tapper? What nurse made you suspect him? Well, sir, he poo-pooed the captain here and said he'd never find the spy. Is this true, Blackadder? Did Captain Darling poo-poo you? Well, perhaps a little. Well, then, damn it all, what more evidence do you need? The poo-pooing alone is a court-martial offence. I can assure you, sir, that the poo-pooing was purely circumstantial. Well, I hope so, Blackadder. You know, if there's one thing I've learned from being in the army, it's never ignore a poo-poo. <laughs> I knew a major got poo-pooed, made the mistake of ignoring the poo-poo. He poo-pooed it. Fatal error. Because it turned out all along that the soldier who poo-pooed him had been poo-pooing a lot of other officers who poo-pooed their poo-poos. In the end, we had to disband the regiment. Morale totally destroyed by poo-poo. And that's that that phrase that phrase poo-poo and like wibble wobble and even the even the phrase Baldrick is still used in the army. Yeah, they use them because of Blackadder. Blackadder. So cadets are brought in and they're a bit. They're like Baldrick there. <laughs> and everybody knows exactly what they mean. So he'll do absolutely anything for you. Identify the Baldrick. Yeah, yeah, and he's eager to go. 
but he's just not quick on the draw at all. Uh, so the, the tone sort of is a lot darker in this one. Yeah. Just because of what it's dealing with, and I suppose in that sense. Um, but <laughs> Baldrick is reduced to... He's a private, but he's he's making like coffee from mud uh-huh. and dandruff <laughs> and, dandruff. and spit, <laughs> cooking rats, cooking rats. <laughs> it's a it, it. But through the entire thing, he's the only one that makes sense yeah. because Black Adder's just trying to not fight. He's trying to it, not be sent over. He's the top, not. Yeah. He does. He just wants to stay where they are and, and wait it out. And this is the other thing. This is the sort of context of what's going on in these last final days. Is there's a final push? Yeah. Coming from the brass above, they want the final push from the military, and this is, you know, leading up to it. Leading up to it. But the unfortunate thing is... And ultimately, what a push means is... Yeah. A shitload of fucking soldiers are going to die. Uh, yeah, a fuckload of nobodies. Yeah. And th- and this is the, the strangest bit about it. They do mention it a few times. These were guys who weren't just, like, common folk. There there was middle class guys in there. Yeah, there was, was upper teachers class. and fucking... Everyone was mixed together, yeah, and it's, together, yeah. it's in this one space, especially with George, who's kind of a twit. Mm. But he keeps talking about his university and him and the guys, and they were the tootlywinks, <laughs> and all. And he he goes on this rant about signing on and how enthusiastic he was to fight for king and country. Yeah, and Baldrick's the same. He just wants to fight and serve as king, and you know all mm-hmm. this. And you realize at that point, they don't actually know what this is. They have no, yes, idea, they have no idea what they're facing. But Blackadder has exactly. But Blackadder knows once we go over that fucking trench, we're, dead, yeah. we're all fucked. Um, and but I think, like we said again, it's the humanity that it shows of a war. Yeah. Because I I probably assume up until Blackadder, nobody really thought, oh, there's probably a lot of people in that ditch that didn't. No. You know, because we're just we have the vision of a war and and the heroes and 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 the martyrs and the people who sort of sacrificed their lives and blah blah blah. blah. But here we never think of the one going. Fuck! I don't want to go out there. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I don't want none to do with I was told I've to be been, here. I've been forced to come yeah. here. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to do anything I can not to be. Yeah. And so you're sort of you're with them. You're going. I fucking I'd be the same uh-huh. <laughs> if I was forced to go there in a fucking trench. I'd try and do not as little as possible to be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and that adds an other element of comedy to yeah. the to the to the. If you want to talk about the arc of the show, because at all times the audience knows Blackadder's intentions. Yeah. But Melchett and all don't. No. They're sort of, he's, he's fooling them in that sense and uh, everything he tries to do. So every time Melchett mentions something about going forward, you could see the fucking, the audience laugh along with Black, with Atkinson's face because it tells the story uh, of a thousand words just by mm-hmm. one facial gesture. Yeah. Um, there's something, was there was a line something about um, <laughs> Melchett hatches a plan for the troops to walk very slowly towards the uh, German lines because it'll be the last thing Fritz will expect. <laughs> Um, and and again, I, th- I suppose maybe you could see why the military might have liked it because they d- they do take an awful swipe at the top levels. Well, the top levels are one one hundredth of the army. Yeah, and er- if one in one hundred doesn't like you, but ninety nine <laughs> do, I wouldn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, you've got because everybody else w- yeah. were like that. That everyone that survived was like that. That's bang on. Because yeah. we had those eager poppers and we had those eager elites, but we also had the guy in the middle going, boys. We're all gonna die. Yeah, I'm doing fuck all for you. <laughs> like fuck them. Um, but so Melchett, uh, a Stephen Fry's character, Melchett, and then Captain Darling. Um, Darling kind of becomes the nemesis of Blackadder throughout the whole thing. It's yeah. like a, a proper cat and mouse type thing where yeah, they both have jabs at each other. They both know it's like Melchett's character in two. Yeah, when he plays sort of the hand of the queen, and he's always trying to 
Outwit. Outwit, yeah. Blackadder. Uh, Darling's doing that very similar character. But what we find when we come near the end uh-huh. is that Darling is as in- inconsiderate by the elites as, as Blackadder and the rest of the guys because no, he's sent to the trenches too. That's it. There's no difference in him. And I think that's, again, another great sort of uh, satirical sort of statement in the middle of it all. Um that there was no difference, ultimately, yeah. when it boiled down to it. Um, we're finally getting to the final episode. Mm-hmm. It's the final episode of Black Arrow Goes Forth. It's called Goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's Goodbye, but with like four E's at the end. And and it's very funny. It's very it's funny. It's a very funny episode. Very sad. But then it's very sad. Quite poignant. And it's... Yeah. I think it... I don't think... I can't remember it when it first. Well, I do remember when it first aired. I remember watching it when my dad was watching, it, but I didn't get what I was watching. No, until later years when I watched it back, and you're realizing, fuck, that must have been massive. You mm-hmm. talk about a finale of a TV show. We've talked about it in this podcast before with Sopranos yep. and other things. How do you finish a show off? Mm-hmm. Fuck, <laughs> no yeah, way, better that's way pretty much the show. Because none of the other seasons. That's how you knew it was the end. None of the other seasons dealt with that. No. You know, and there's, a, there's off at and least just... two or three bits in the final five minutes where you sort of breathe in mm. and you don't breathe out for a minute. <laughs> like, there's a funny line, and it, it's a very funny line, but when you think about it, it's really sad, where they're leaving the bunker to go out to the mm-hmm. trench before they finally climb over and have to run at an, an advancing army. Yeah. You know, basically, there's people just firing shells at mm-hmm. you, and Black Hatter turns around to George and goes, don't forget your stick. And he goes, oh yeah, we can use this against machine gun fire. And he means it. He means it like he'll be swinging a stick and it'll help. And you're going, you're fucked. You're yeah, all fucked. You're all fucked. Uh, but Baldrick has a plan. <laughs> Baldrick, Baldrick has does a, have a very cunning Baldrick plan. Baldrick has a very cunning plan. And uh, let's be honest, it's fucking genius. It makes sense. Baldrick, what are you doing out there? I'm carving something on this bullet, sir. What are you carving? I'm carving Baldrick, sir. Why? It's a cunning plan, actually. Of course it is. You see, you know they say that somewhere there's a bullet with your name on it. (laughs) Well, I thought if I owned the bullet with my name on it, I'd never get hit by it. Because I won't ever shoot myself. Oh, shame. Chances of there being two bullets with my name on them are very small indeed. It's, it's not the only thing around here that's very small indeed. Your brain, for example, is so minute, Baldrick, that if a hungry cannibal cracked your head open, there wouldn't be enough inside to cover a small water biscuit. <laughs> and that's him. Um, that's the, also the tedium of war yeah. is highlighted in this because they're all sitting about when nothing to do <laughs> but the only alternative is doing something that'll get you killed so That's it, doing yeah. nothing is great doing nothing is fine because doing something means you're dying yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and, uh, that whole contrast on that um, I don't think it's been done since in the sense of a comedy I don't think anybody could touch the war well they, you know they, I know dad's army and things like that you know but I'm saying like I don't think anything really tried to do what they did which was show the minutia of the trenches. No. Thing, you know, well, MASH was pretty good. Ma- yeah, MASH was... Yeah. MASH had a great ending too, and it was one of the most sort of talked about. But this one had more... It wasn't just poignancy. MASH, was MASH more 70s, was it? Was it, it was 70s. It was 70s, 70s yeah, yeah, yeah. And they covered Vietnam. It was not yeah. to do it. But... Or no, no, it was... It was Korea, was it not? MASH. Are they covering the Korean War? It's been that long since watched MASH. It's... Um, but this one... Basically what happens is they're told it's time. Mm-hmm. And... Like I said, even uh, 
Darling is sent down, and That's he's right. he's there they're with them, there, yeah. and they're all. It's the first time you see them all scared because mm-hmm. the, you realize then th- this is now reality. This is absolutely going to happen. We're we're going over, and there's a point where everything goes quiet, mm-hmm. and George goes, "Listen, the guns of the, the firing stopped. The war's over. We finally did it." And he goes, "1917, when the war and the war didn't end in 1918. <laughs> what actually was happening was they were just getting ready to fire again." Yeah, and. It's Black Adder's character that tells him, and you can see the fear come back. Like, we're actually just jumping over here to get fired at. Yeah. And we've got sticks and rifles, and they're far away using way more advanced weaponry. And that's when we we finally see the, the final, which in the original footage looks shite. Yeah. <laughs> looks so, so bad. bad. Yeah, what they did was they, they, they zoomed in and slowed down and put in effects, and it cuts. They basically climb over. If you haven't seen it, I mean, it's it's like one of the top ten moments in TV history. It's always on them them shows. So yeah, I think actually uh, I can see here number sixteen in the top one hundred greatest great greatest British television programs. Um, uh, yeah, it came sixteenth. Blackout goes fourth. I don't know where the actual episode would fit in, but I know it was on a lot of um, you know those fucking. Real, not reality shows, but they're like, uh, here's the best of, or yeah. You know, th- I think that's uh, to be honest, me. I think that's the first time I seen because I never watched Black Arrow Goes Forth right. until way later. Right, I'd, right, I'd okay. watched two and three, um, and then I seen one of them, them clip shows, and it was way up there that yeah. the final moments of Black Adder. Yeah, I was going, how the fuck are the final moments of Black Adder going to be? And then, oh Jesus, right, it's about. And then it showed it, and I was like, right, I'm watching that now. Yeah, and uh, it, it it does. It re- it does hit a sort of a, a bone, yeah. It's it's the sadness of it all because you know, and I suppose if if the people watching it at the time, um, we know now, but at the time they must have re- that was for them a final death knell on mm-hmm. Black Adder. Yeah, it wasn't going to come back. There wasn't going to be another one after that. That was it done. Yeah. So that was kind of sad, but I think as well as that, it's just <laughs> it's almost like the like. Like all characters from season one, two, three, and four ran across that trench. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It was like that was the way it was done, and it was so sort of well shot and well put together. Um, I mean, it's BBC, it's a BBC series. Mm-hmm. Um, legacy end of things after this. I mean, Curtin, Curtis and Elton, as we say, Curtis went on to a lot of Hollywood. Nearly, if, if you're yeah, yeah, you're going, you're going big, big, big movies. Um, Atkinson then. The biggest thing after Black Adder was Bean. I think it was like the year after this. Yeah, he started Mr. Bean like straight away. And this ended eighty nine, and I think Mr. Bean was ninety. Yeah, and Bean. I mean, I loved Bean when I was younger. When it first when came it out, first it was out, it, it was, was absolutely amazing yeah. to the point. There's very few TV shows I think we as a family ever watched together. Yeah, mom, dad, kids all together, and it was Bean because it had that universal appeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see why it's. Uh, so popular in so many countries around the world because there's very little dialogue. You know? Yeah. Uh, but again, it all it did it was a chance. It was such a great career choice from Atkinson, from going from the most wordy, yes, uh, dialogue heavy mm-hmm. character that ever existed in the eighties in British TV to go into a character that doesn't speak <laughs> and it's all physical. And it's, isn't it still like you said? But isn't it absolutely massive in Japan massive, and stuff like huge? Because it's it's, it's billion views and like <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's so it, it's Charlie Chaplin stuff. It's yeah. back to the silent movies. I mean, it's so physical that it can apply to anybody. 
mm-hmm. and and then they're hitting universal themes like going to a dentist or going to a thing blah 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 so but again he, he carries it off so well yeah um, the, but I think the Bean movie was I'll have to check this out but there's something like the Bean movie is one of the highest grossing UK films of all time or something or what do you something? call that other thing he does Johnny English? Johnny English. Okay. It's a, like his third or something, it's isn't it? A, yeah. And How does that happen? Very strange, yeah. I don't know. But I think you're right about Mr. Bean, too. There's something some about, weird... Some weird statistic where it's like the greatest grossing whatever across... The, you know, that's very strange. But, so that's Atkinson then. So then, uh, obviously, we know about Hugh, uh, Fry and Laurie. Yeah. Did their thing. Then Hugh Laurie goes on to House. Yeah. Stephen, Stephen Fry, Fry goes does on to everything. Everything. Um, he... You're talking, well, obviously, we don't have a per Rick Mail, but I mean, it's uh, fucking Robical Dream became Hagrid. Fucking, you know, there's a lot of stuff that went on. Cracker. Cracker. Uh, that's right. Cracker was straight after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Tony Robinson, like we said, he's he's digging like fuck. He's, uh, is it Time Machine he's called? Or Time time Team or something? Time Team. Time Team. Uh, so, there's a, a lot of. Nobody uh, didn't do well out of this. No, everybody got everybody on. Got Miranda Richardson's been in quite a few fun. Loads of stuff. She Oscar nominated as well, I believe. May have been, yeah. I think she was. Um, so it, 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 it's, it's been a success for everybody involved. Um, and one of the biggest and maybe best decisions was Atkinson not writing after season one. Yeah. I don't think he, I don't it, think I don't it was think a major... would have been talking about a season three or four, to no, be honest with you. I think he, he, he didn't really take it upon himself to say it was all my fault. I think he just went, it doesn't suit. Whatever I'm writing, it doesn't suit. And I think once they seen Ben Elton's changes to mm-hmm. the stories, then they agreed that just keep Rick Curtis and... Now, they did all, like, ad bits. Yeah. Like, they did writers' meetings with actors, and they would add in just mm-hmm. to do rehearsals, but, and they would take edits from actors, but they wouldn't edit each other's. No. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you get a chance, I know, uh, Blackadder is on Netflix, I think at the moment. Uh, there's two seasons. Two seasons. I think on. it's two and three, two and three are, on. are on it. And you could probably get the rest in the iPlayer, but the complete box set is like nine eight nine or something on Amazon yeah. and it's got all the specials and it's got documentaries and it's got, there was right. a Millennium special. Right. Yes. It was only shown in the Millennium Dome and then it was shown in Sky One, one off. Okay. And it's weird. It's a weird one. It's and got a time machine in it. <laughs> And then you have uh, the cha- you've got the specials if you get a chance to look at them. Specials are okay, not not not, not great, not great, but um, did what they had to do. It was the eighties and blah blah. But it's standalone uh, as a season. Mm. You're talking two, three, and four are the ones that stand out. But for me, four is the one. Two is for yourself. Yeah. So go and watch. But them. we both agree, three is brilliant. Three, oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah. So just, just do a run yeah. through two to four. Do a run yeah. and see. Uh, that you'll probably find out then that you, you that, I'm, that I'm right. Um, and they've they've been touting season five for ever. Yeah, I don't think. It's, uh, but they're too old now. Too old. It's not going to. But it was going to be there in the sixties, right? And <laughs> would have been brilliant. Black Adder was a like a Epstein type of Beatles manager, for, uh, and he creates uh, this band, and Baldrick's <laughs> the drummer called Bald Rick. Ah, <laughs> nice. But it was going to be uh, Queen Elizabeth II's son. Like oh, a, a bastard you, son. I'm glad you clarified the Epstein thing about the Beatles. I thought, fuck on. No, no, no. <laughs> Brian Epstein. <laughs> Not that Epstein. <laughs> uh, so, yes, go and take a look at Blackadder. Uh, you'll, uh, hopefully you'll see, um, you'll be able to get all the seasons if you can. See what we mean when we say about the change between one and two. Yeah. Um, it's it's as obvious as, I mean, it's yes, night and day, like it really is. And we will be back again. We might double up this week. We'll be back on our normal time um, mm-hmm. on on whatever day that might be. Enjoy the rest of your lockdown. Thanks for listening in. And go and watch some Blackadder. 
Richard Curtis's wife is Sigmund Freud's granddaughter. That's all we need to know. 